The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Oh no. Oh yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. All right, here we go. Monday morning, happy Memorial Day to you. And if it is Memorial Day weekend, you know it's AEW Double or Nothing. And as I watch that video go here on our youtube stream i'm reminded that this year's double or nothing review show a little bit different flavor justin joint than last year as we were live on the vegas strip reviewing our in-person viewing of double or nothing this year we're not in vegas maybe next year we'll see uh we're in the comfort of our own homes we've got a special guest with us as well who we will get to here in just a minute but justin how are you doing monday morning here I am doing pretty good. Uh, first and foremost, I feel like I need to apologize on behalf of you know Tottenham Hotspurs for the role they played in relegating Leeds United yesterday. So, <laughs> ge- genuine apology. Are you a, a pretty big Hotspurs fan? Is that a thing, Justin? Yeah, yeah. I, I talk about them every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I see the shirt. I remember you wearing that shirt in Vegas last year. It's a great. What's it say? Hot Spur Summer or something on it? Yeah, nice, very Wait, nice. It's going to need to be this year if they uh, if they don't want to be middle of the table next season. Yeah, yeah. Bring, and bring back Harry Kane. Damn it! Who cares about trophies? You're going to get a statue outside of the stadium. You know, you've been trying to get me into soccer over the last couple of years, and I have been getting more and more into it. And I started this year watching the Spurs quite a bit, and then as the season went on, I fell out of it for obvious reasons <laughs> kind of bad timing on that but Boy, I, I'll, I'll tell you what you, you missed one hell of a, a match between Everton and Bournemouth uh yesterday that was I, I mean I'm I'm you know I kind of root for Everton a little bit I got a soft spot for him but boy that was nerve-wracking and I'm not really all that invested in him can't imagine yeah. what it'd be like to be their fan yeah well hey you, you got the Boston Celtics hat on Ooh. so you got a little bit more excitement going on there this game, weekend se- Allen game seven the tonight you know did you realize that uh a team winning with a buzzer beater in the playoffs on when they could be eliminated and they were losing has only been done that Derek White that was only the second time in the history of the playoffs that has happened really the only other time was Michael Jordan against the Cavs on Craig Elo. Yeah, because that was a uh, game five, right? Elimination uh, game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. 
Crazy. Awesome. Well, hey, up and down with the sports world. Busy professional wrestling weekend. We had Night of Champions as well. We might hit on that here a little bit at the end of the show, but predominantly we're going to talk about Double or Nothing. So we brought in a guest. I think this is third or fourth time he's been on the show. You might have to remind me. He's definitely been on some pay-per-view reviews in the past. We planned this out a couple of months ago when we could get him back on the show. So joining us from across the pond once again Carl Longhorn, welcome to Top Rope Nation, sir. Thanks, guys. And uh, Justin, as a Leeds United fan, I accept the apologies. But in the <laughs> words of in the words of a scumbag, Vince McMahon, Leeds screwed Leeds. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we we deserve to be screwed and be relegated. No, I'm happy to join you, and obviously to all the Americans, uh, Happy Memorial Day. Yeah, you know Justin, that was. You know, he was a Leeds fan. Yeah, yeah, he, okay. he mentioned it yesterday on, on uh, Facebook. But, uh, yeah. you know, I think their problem is too many Americans on that team. Can't be doing that. We're not good <laughs> Yeah, we, there was no, yeah, no strategy to what we bought in the summer. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, cheaper tickets next season and a couple of more clubs near me. I can go to away <laughs> games on sitting home, home, home um, end and not making sound. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, guys, as we often do here, Let's uh, let's start the show with our grades for AEW Double or Nothing. I'll, I'll bring in the Twitter poll here in just a second. But the old A through F scale, Justin Joint, give me your grade for Double or Nothing. Um, well, first and foremost, I would give that crowd an F. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how you can go back to Las Vegas next year. I mean, I know the build can be part of the blame, but I mean, once you've spent your heart and earn money to be in that arena. I don't know why you don't get invested at least a little bit. I mean, the, the first match on the card delivered, you know, the energy was there and then, you know, then Jericho happened and it just killed all the momentum. Uh, so yeah, F for the crowd for the show itself, C plus, I guess pretty lackluster until the last two matches. I mean, I guess maybe you can say, you know, once, the Statlander surprise happened. Then it's, the show started to pick up a little bit. Yeah. Carl, what about you? Yeah, I'm right there at C grade. Um, not a bad show, but below average for AW, very high standards, admittedly. The crowd, mm-hmm. the crowd are poor, and I think they didn't have a lot to go with in terms of they probably needed a couple of matches and outside the top two to outkick the coverage, and there was nothing on that card that really was going to do that. So I think mm-hmm. it was just it's done from the start a show to get through and move on and that's pretty much what it was yeah yeah i think with the crowd there's a lot of things happening here because their traveling audience was way down for this show i mean the ticket sales were not close to last year i mean they pretty much curtained off the whole i think almost all of the upper deck if not the whole thing they still ended up getting about eleven thousand in there but it was far below the demand for last year the card was not as strong as we talked about going in it just felt like a stopgap show, unfortunately, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this is one of typically their top two. I'd argue um, All Out is is their number one show. And then this is probably number two, uh, but like a huge destination show. Everyone loves traveling to Las Vegas, and yet they didn't sell it out right away. Build was very lackluster. And so <clears throat> I don't know, like they, the, the card they presented was it was tough to get in probably for the live audience i do think they have to keep going back to vegas just because of the theme of the show so i don't think that that will change Uh, but hopefully next year they have a stronger build there's more focus on this event and not what's to come here in the next month or so 
and it gives you more of a reason to go out there because I know as we talked about uh, Justin, we talked about this off air a few times. You know, I wanted to go again this year, but as the show got closer, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not regretting it that much just because I'm not looking forward to it as much as last year, just the the event itself. Um, but then when we got there, I had a little bit of FOMO with just seeing pictures and stuff of everyone being out there. I'm like, ah, it's Vegas. I kind of wish I would have gone. But from a wrestling card perspective, yeah, I didn't feel like I was missing out on the event itself, more like the experience of being in Las Vegas. And yeah, I mean, it sh- it certainly showed with that crowd. I thought they were there the last two match, and it was a two match show, pretty yeah. much. And they were they were there for that. They were into the main event big time. But in between, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty low. I've I've kind of been going back and forth between B minus and C plus because I'm I don't really want to downgrade them too much on the undercard because there was so such a lackluster build that they weren't expected to be great. But at the same time, you should probably give me more since it is a $50 pay-per-view. So I think I'll go C+. I did feel the last two matches delivered. I liked the opener quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Statlander surprise. We'll talk about why that happened. That was decent. Um, and, you know, we talked about what might happen with Jamie Hayter on our preview show because of her injury, and that ended up coming out to play as well. So... Yeah, I'll go. I'll go C plus. Um, our listeners on Twitter are pretty much right there with us. As I look at the Twitter poll, we've got about eighty four votes in, and like a third of them are out of B. A thirty three percent out of B, thirty one percent of C, uh, and then about nineteen percent had an A. And the D or F range, the trolls come out for the sixteen percent. So I mean, yeah, overall a split between B and C predominantly, and I'd have to agree with the listeners on Twitter with that. Uh, I saw some people in the chat here. We had uh, Alan give it a B minus. He said, "I'll give the Bleacher Report app a solid C minus with the audio problems." <laughs> yeah, dude, I had so many problems with this Bleacher Report app. I was tweeting about it this morning because I was not able to watch the end of it live because I wanted to watch succession as Justin and I talked about on the preview show. So I went and watched succession about an hour and a half into the pay-per-view and then I came back to watch it and uh, I was trying to catch up. I watched all of it, but the main event until this morning and then I had to come back this morning and watch it and I put on my Roku and you literally cannot fast forward more than eight seconds at a time. It took me almost 10 minutes to fast forward to the main event, which set back our podcast schedule just a little bit. Um, but uh, we ended up getting there 15 minutes late. But we're here this morning to talk about it. They got, they got to get this app figured out, man. Get get it on Max as soon as possible. Please, 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 please. I just wanted real quick one more thing about the crowd uh, energy last night is that the other reason I have a hard time blaming, you know, ticket sales and enthusiasm going into the show, you know, blaming the lack of build is that, you know, we've seen great crowds on dynamites that, you know, with far less people and zero build. So I I just hesitate to blame it all on that. I think there was just something going on that day, which can happen. Do you think some of it has to do with the fact that this is such a big building, you know, like, they should have probably if if they would have known that this is the number they were going to draw, and they should have done the MGA Grand. But this T-Mobile is a very very big building, and I mm-hmm. remember sitting there last year, and I mean there were people in the upper deck all the way to the top, and then I watched it this year, and that's all curtained off. And so like even if you have ten eleven thousand people 
into it in a building that big it's so cavernous like is that going to dissipate the noise a little bit i mean it's hard to i don't know acoustics well enough <laughs> to say but i feel like they're already working from behind because the ticket yeah. sales were so lackluster yeah I, I agree with you but also like you could just visually see the the crowd sitting on their hands for large yeah. portions of the show yeah that's true that's true um all right like let's just jump into it and i think we'll we'll start with the main event because that's what everyone's probably going to want to talk about right away that was kind of the signature build and then we'll we'll go backwards so we had discussed on the preview show that this anarchy in the arena definitely should main event it did made the right call there I was a little surprised that they went two in a row, that they put the title match on right before this without the, you know, the typical breather match. I think it ended up working out fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd made the argument on the pre-show they could open with the title match. They didn't do that. But what they opened with, as we'll talk about later, was pretty good. Uh, but this main event, man, it was it was good. I don't know right now. I just finished watching it like a half hour ago. I don't know if I can rate this against last year's, which was incredible and was so fun live. There's things about it I could nitpick a little bit. Um, there was some timing issues, like getting to the the pins to break them up. A little, little bit late a couple of times there. Not sure Wheeler Yuta, you know, no offense. I'm not sure Wheeler Yuta should be kicking out of the buckshot lariat. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Well, and uh, to, to your point about yeah. guys getting there late is you couldn't tell when it did look like he kicked out, but Claudio was right there. It looked like pushing him out of it too. Mm, yeah. Um. Alan said, surprised they went with the music playing throughout the first part of the match again. All right, this, I had a gripe with this. That band sucked ass, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was not good. I did not like the band. I think it was just the singer. I didn't like the cover of Wild Thing. I didn't like the way he sang the words Wild Thing. And to hear it over and over was grating on me a little bit. I thought last year when they played the actual recording of the song Mox comes out to, which is a great song it worked really good and the crowd went crazy for it live when we were there last year. It seemed like they were somewhat into that this year, but I just, I don't know what you guys thought. I didn't really care for that band's rendition of the song very much. Any thoughts, Justin? Uh, yeah, it seemed like the lead singer, uh, lacked energy, kind of like the crowd. Yeah. Um, and also the way his mask was colored kind of made him look like he was wearing blackface. I was going to say that too. super awkward. Mm-hmm. Wild thing. <laughs> I just didn't <laughs> like the way he sang it. It didn't sound like the original. <laughs> Not good, man. What did you think over there, Carl? Uh, it was very off-putting. I think mean, it got after, after about five minutes of that, this getting far too off-putting. Whereas last year, um, I think it was maybe a volume thing because obviously entrance music when it's not live, it's, it's quieter. So it wasn't the top part. It was just, and yeah, it was it wasn't a good cover as well. The poorly vocaled. So yeah, um, I I get why they, they kept it going as long as it did because they had the spot that they were building up to. Mm-hmm. But I would have called an audible and um, brought that forward personally. Yeah, yeah. So they had the double super kick from the Bucks that took out the lead singer, and that was the end of the music. It, it's uh, interesting though you get kind of used to it then when like the music stopped it's a little jarring to get back into like the, the match <laughs> yeah. as it's quiet yeah that's true that's true yeah um so anything you guys want to call out i mean there's the big spots obviously exploding super kick um they fought all over the concourse area at one point they went outside into a pickup truck go ahead justin oh no i uh 
I guess for me, the big takeaways of the match is them trying to elevate Wheeler Yuta, which mm-hmm. I didn't really have a problem with. It makes a lot of sense to me to to build him up. Uh, it just didn't like the match ended and he's up on Claudio's shoulders. And I, I just didn't get the feel like he had actually leveled up. Like he didn't feel like a bigger deal to me. Yeah. And they were pushing that on commentary as well throughout the match. So you could tell that that was one of one of the goals. Like I said, I guess I didn't notice he was pushed out of the, the buckshot, but watching it live, I was like, is he really of the level right now to be kicking out of the signature move of one of the top stars in the company? So maybe I missed that, but yeah, that was clearly the goal was to build him up and to make him look like he was on the level with these guys. What did you make of Yuta's performance, Carl? I mean, he had a good outing. Um, he definitely needed needed a bit of elevation because he's obviously with three, you know, top guys, really. Obviously, you can debate how much of a top guy Claudio is. I rate him quite highly, but obviously Moxley and, you know, Danielson are two, you know, big deals. And for Danielson, he's probably got a big feud coming coming his way this summer. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what this means because the way it looked, you know, certainly in commentary was who, you know, what can, you know, what what's going to, be able to deal with this, you know, this, well, I guess, six-fold now, if you include Callis and, uh, I, can't, I can never pronounce his name, Takashiti. Takashi. But, obviously, Omega T's uh, a couple of people, uh, which I guess would be for Bidden Door, potentially, this New Japan T's. But then, after, beyond that, I'm not quite sure where this leads. I enjoyed the match, Um not really my style of wrestling, but I'm not going to go all Jim Cornette because he goes far too over the top with it. It's enjoyable. Maybe it's could. That could be your gimmick every time you come no, on the show. It's like you're the mini no, Cornette no, no. here. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I get, I get the great, the, the great Brian last appear on my Twitter feed for some reason at the moment. I'm I need to find a mute button for him. Um, but beyond, beyond obviously the Fobbin Dorsey, I don't know what, you know, what's next for, for, for the Moxley and co. I don't really know. It's, it's interesting. It just felt a bit like, okay, that's booked. We know the elite will be in something significant. On to the next pay-per-view almost. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a lot of fun. I preferred last year's personally. Um, I felt last year was just a little bit more. Felt like it had more stakes in it last year than this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, on first watch, I would probably lean that way as well. Uh, but I feel like I'm biased having been there. But to hear you say that watching on television both years, then I'm more inclined to agree with you there justin any thoughts on that point yeah i agree it's it wasn't as good as last year but at the same time i i thoroughly enjoyed it and it was pretty easily my match of the entire weekend uh the one i enjoyed the most although you know this is kind of nerdy and nitpicky of me but the the exploding super kick kind of threw me off are we to believe that after he got pile driven in the car he went and found an explosive and attached it to his foot and then came out and didn't set it off and by walking on it. Uh, that's what I was trying to work out. I think yeah. the idea was that he had like pre-planned that, I would guess, because didn't he do it with his left foot rather than his right foot? So it was like the way I took it was he was kind of like waiting for the part in the match where he would use it maybe, and he had prepared that ahead of time. Because I'm pretty mm. – I, I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure he did it with his left foot where he would normally super kick with his right foot. Did you guys notice afterwards the shoe got thrown out of the ring and into the crowd, I assume? And then I yeah. think someone must have taken it out of the crowd, like security, and there was a big booing chant. Oh, <laughs> so no, I missed that. Leave with I it. noticed that. They were wearing the new uh, 
the Spider-Man Air Jordan ones that just came out a couple of weeks ago. They're like they look almost like the Bulls color Jordan ones, but they have like a Spider-Man theme to them. That's what they were wearing, and I guess they must have wanted the exploding shoe back for a future AEW museum or something like that, or well, lost treasures. I was just, I was really worried because like they had that uh, green cord in there, so I, I for a second I was like, wait, is, are we supposed to assume that something was like supercharged and that played a part in it? And then I had awful flashbacks of that. Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt finish with the TV. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So I mean yeah. that that's just a nitpick. I you know outside of that, I absolutely loved the match. Yeah, I mean it was a spectacle. I I like the exploding thing live because you haven't really seen stuff like that before. I thought that was cool. I I agree with Carl. It's not typically my style of match, but watching it, my jaw dropped a few times. Um, a couple of the big spots again, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we took out this the uh, lead singer of the band, good uh, with the double super kicks. <laughs> um, yeah, Claudio had the pile driver in the bed of the pickup truck outside of the venue. We had that super kick. Um, boy, cringeworthy when the combat club put a barefoot Matt Jackson into the pile of thumbtacks, and then uh, Danielson followed that up with a heel hook. You could see the tacks all stuck in the base of his foot. Oh, man, that made me cringe. Uh, Nick Jackson went face first into the tacks at one point in time. Uh, yeah, anything I'm missing, you guys? The uh, the thumbtacks in the mouth of Matt, who oh, then yeah, got the yeah, uppercut yeah, yeah. from Claudio. Oh, that was God. pretty gnarly. Like, please don't swallow. Please don't <laughs> hold those in there before that uppercut. My God, and he spit them all out. That was crazy. Um, yeah. Callus gave Yuta a screwdriver, and then uh, he used that on Paige. There was a point earlier in the match where Moxley used one on Omega out by the entrance ramp. Um, yeah, Carl, did you have something? There was a uh, throw from the swing spot into, uh, I guess it was like a trash can. Oh, yeah. I like to think, oh, that could, that could easily go wrong. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there were so many spots where he just... I, I, I don't know if it's a obviously with the version I saw. I didn't see how Moxie busted himself open, but I what caused him to bust it open. It appeared with bleeding. I was like, okay, well the under over and how long before Moxie bleeds is uh, it's going to be low. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because I didn't mention that in commentary how he was busted open. It just yeah. I didn't see I, that either. I think the commentary struggle in this match at the start because there was so much going on. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank God JR wasn't on the call because oh we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to uh, we'll get to yes. Jim Ross, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, they did struggle a lot of it keeping up. But yeah, it was so much going on. At first, they were going back and forth, just jump cutting constantly. And then at the mm. end of the match, they started using the split screens more, which made it a little easier to follow. Like I think the big swing spot, they had a split screen going at that point. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, really hard to follow early on. Um, but yeah, the uh, we had the V trigger, we had the psycho knees from Brian, lots of near falls. Eventually, Takesha comes out of nowhere, he takes out Omega, and uh, Yuta scored the pinfall. So yeah, Blackpool Combat Club goes over. We had mentioned this on the pre-show, as Alan pointed out about the uh, you know the Takeshita effect and everything. So that's that's the route they went. We said it was a toss up. Couldn't really tell who was going to win, but Blackpool Combat com- Club goes over. They did get some booze. You know, a little surprising. They've been playing the heels, but people love these guys. Uh, 
Mox flipping off everyone, Brian, John at some people in the crowd as they go off the air. A spectacle, enjoyable. It was what it needed to be, I thought. I got one more question. Yeah. I, I want to know what changed with Brian Danielson, you know, in the past month where he's okay wearing merchandise now, which he refused mm. to do for like his first year and a half in the promotion. Like, not he wouldn't even wear his own shirt. Yeah. Because I mean, he's pretty vocal about not liking that uh, aspect of pro wrestling but now all of a sudden he's wearing bcc stuff all the time to his point it is pretty cool merch (laughs) (laughs) it is some of the wrestling stuff that you could actually wear in public i like it for the most part except for the big bloody fist stuff i wouldn't wear in public but the one they're wearing now with the be real i think that's a pretty cool shirt um yeah he has he has changed his mindset on that hasn't he and that even goes back to wwe so uh, part of it has given everyone the same look, too, I think, which works well for the group. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the fallout is on Wednesday night from this one. Uh, any other thoughts on that, Carl, before we jump to another match? No, I think just to, just to touch on the elite, because I know you, you boys discussed it um, in the previous show about the same punk situation. I just hope in the preceding months that someone knocks Nick and Matt's heads together and that match happened with FDR because it would be such a waste. I think there's a there's an expiration date on CM Punk in AEW with some in ultimately from an age mm-hmm. point of view. So if they don't get that match done, then it's a big loss. And yeah. I, I think it will really, really harm the Bucks um with the crowd because mm-hmm. they they will be turned on. Agree. Are you going to All In, by the way? Yeah, I'm going. I've got tickets. Um, not on. I'm on the pitch, but um, not the sort of like main pitch tickets. About I think about the third block back. So okay. pretty good tickets. Um, nice. Just yeah. So looking forward to it. And um, the rumored Punk match, I am I'm very much looking forward to because two of my favorites, Punk and Brian. As yeah, yeah we've mentioned on the preview show is the working plan right now things could change but brian alvarez uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah brian yeah. was in the second row dead center from the hard cam all night last night waiting for him to jump into the ring but yeah no yeah brian and brian danielson and punk is the working plan for all in we'll see um if you guys are interested in in some of the booking plans for cm punk check out our last show the preview show where I went over some of that news and uh, what potentially lays ahead this summer. But I agree with you, Carl. Bucks got to get their heads right on this. We got to work. We, I think an Omega match is likely with Punk at some point, but yeah. you got to get the Bucks in there too. So I think we could go right to the world title match and then we'll start at the, the top of the show since these were the two most built matches. And we said we had a lot of criticism of this coming in. I mean, look, you got MJF against the Pillars, but they're three guys who really only one you could potentially buy as a world title contender right now, that being Darby Allen, uh, Sammy, Jack Perry. They're just not on that level yet. And so for me, even though the match I thought was pretty damn good, just from a ring work perspective, it was hard to get fully invested in the match. You know, to have a great match, to me, you have to actually believe that either man or all four men can win the match. And I didn't feel that way watching this. It was always, you know, the conclusion always was MJF was going to win. So it took away from it. You know, like I couldn't possibly go into the four-star territory on this match, no matter how good it was when the result was never in doubt. 
you know, and nothing that happened in the match even got me to bite that it might change hands. It's just, it just didn't happen. So solid from a ring work perspective. Um, we could talk about, you know, a couple of things early that happened. Uh, Sammy Guevara came out onto the ramp with Ty Conti and they announced with their old cue cards, like they used to do that. They are having a baby. I mean, nice kind of felt out of place though, during a pay-per-view to me. I mean, happy for them, (laughs) but, uh, Sammy wasn't going to win the match, so it was kind of like a weird place to do this, I thought. Yeah. Um, you had the Darby Allen deal. Justin texted me about this immediately. Um, that was shit. You guys know that I hate... I'm a big Elvis fan, and I hate impersonators. So to do the whole cliche Elvis impersonator in the wedding chapel in Vegas was not a fan of that at all. It's just too cliche. And it, and it didn't make any sense. No. <laughs> Darby wearing the jumpsuit out was fine, I guess. He didn't wrestle in it. Um, that part was fine. I didn't really like that. I didn't really like the pre-match video with him at the chapel, though. Carl, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a time where you just don't need to see the pre-match video if you've not got a good idea, and that was bits of one of them. Just yeah. go to the match. Um, on the Sammy Guevara thing, I get why they did it because it built the, it built a spot in the match. But one isn't he a heel? And two, yeah, we don't even know anymore. <laughs> two, isn't there a thing called Instagram that he could have just announced it on the day and he can still then do that spot? Because you know, it's, we're not in 1995 where no one's got any internet, you know, right? We're all, we're all on there, you can just play to that. Like, it just felt a little bit, yeah. I was watching thinking, you're a heel, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the the Elvis bit was, I'm with you, I hate Elvis impersonators, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just. Did not work for me. Yeah, you're right. It did build to a spot in the match where MJF was telling him, you got a baby, take the pinfall. But like, also, I thought that was pretty nonsensical. And they pointed out on commentary, like, yeah, win the match. You'll make even more money. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he's trying to say, like, you're going to get hurt or something and lose your job. But like, mm, I don't know. Wasn't a huge fan of that spot. Jungle Boy was the only one who had the straight up entrance. You know, he just basically Mm -hmm. did his regular entrance. MJF came down. Um, with this throne he was elevated on. He had the mask on again. He comes down the ramp. And there's like all these girls trying to grab at him as he walks by, looking disgusted, and we were off. So, Justin, this match itself, any items you want to talk about that stood out? I will say I was sports entertained by it, um, but I don't think I'm as high on it as a lot of people I saw on social media, just because it felt very formulaic formulaic and uh just looks more like performative art because you it's like all right here's the moment in the match where we're just gonna trade pinfall attempts which was cool i liked it but here's the part of the match where we're gonna do all of our mentors finishing maneuvers you know it it just never really felt like a you know a fight Mm -hmm. like we talk about all the time it's just it just felt like uh, bullet points that they had to hit uh, for their special over-the-top spots. Yeah. Uh, but the most, to me, the most shocking thing is Darby eating the pin. Yeah. And especially with the the headlock takeover again, just like at full gear, what was that, 2021? 20, yeah. Um, especially when, when you have two guys there that, you know, 
really wouldn't have hurt them that much to eat the pin and jungle boy and, and Sammy, but it really made me think it's like, God, is it, I mean, Darby's got to get this win back down the road. I don't really see him as the, the one to dethrone MJF for the world title, but kind of a, to me, that was a bad look. Yeah. Agreed. Carl thoughts. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to, if you're going to beat Darby, then just do the one, one on one match. Why do, do the four way? Um, you've got two people. I would probably have had Jungle Boy eat the pin because he's probably yeah. turning heel. Um, he's certainly from from some accounts is a heel off camera anyway. So you know, having be a heel on camera. Um, I just, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I was a big proponent of Jungle Boy because at the end of last year, I felt he was moving in the right direction. I didn't think it was it, it was his time now to win the title. I felt he needed another big feud after the Christian feud. <laughs> You know, maybe someone like a Jericho who, you know, in, by osmos could elevate him, depending on what mood Chris Jericho is in that particular pay-per-view <laughs> cycle, of course. But I just, yeah, I can't see now. The logic to me was, you beat Jungle Boy or Sammy Guevara, you then got Darby Allen saying, well, you never beat me. Mm-hmm. And then you can build, because MJF, te- you know, teased it after the match and teased it in his um, news conference. He's got no challengers, and he's absolutely, he's absolutely right. I'm guessing that's going to build to someone coming in potentially to challenge him. But you look at it and think, well, you then potentially going to have to beat a Ricky Starks, which I don't think is the right move. I think you want to keep him on that upward momentum. So I just, I just find it to burn through three challenges here for no, for no good reason. Ultimately, yeah. Um, we had Alan ask in the chat, how badly do you think MJF is injured? So there was a legit injury to mjf in this match it came out of a top rope powerbomb spot uh with darby and apparently his left forearm is pretty messed up he he said it was effed after the show and he had it wrapped during the the post-show scrum so i i have not i'm looking to see if i've got any texts on this i haven't heard anything about how severe it is but it is definitely real now i mean obviously mjf doesn't work that much as far as in the ring he doesn't wrestle that often uh so i think they'll be fine unless this is super serious you know moving forward he's the best on the mic in the company he can come out and talk and and they'll be fine he can wrestle again in a month or a month and a half um but yeah I, I don't have any news on that right now i don't know how severe it is but it is legit he did get hurt in the match itself so he covered it well because he he overacted um mm-hmm. after that spot to cover it to make people feel like it was potentially at work and he doesn't need to work forbidden door he pretty much said he said in the scrum i don't want to work it so they're probably already you know laying the seeds from not working that so he's got what he's got to wembley so he's got three months pretty much to to rest up so i think it's fine you know he can he can work work the mic and build something up between whatever he's got all in potentially all out depending on what the scenario is yeah i would assume it's adam cole you know talking about the lack of number one contenders. Mm-hmm. I, not that I'm not saying I want to see no. that, but I, I just don't know. Uh, that's what, would... Yeah, that's what, that's what the talk was going into the show was the position in Cole. Um, unless the conversations with a certain Bill Goldberg that Tony Khan's reference are going to lead somewhere, I don't see that, you know, but that could be the one shot deal he bring Goldberg in if Khan wants to do that and MJ beats him, but. There's going to be a lot of notes in that check, and I don't quite see the value in doing that when you've already sold 
you know, north is 60,000 seats at Wembley. You don't really need a big draw there. You've already got the seats sold. Yeah. It seems like they've kind of planted some seeds for poss- the possibility of Sting, too. Could hmm. be, a, you know, an option, especially, you know, he's hinted that, the you know, his run is coming to an end here soon. So that could be a good farewell send-off for Sting. Yeah. Yeah, as far as Forbidden Door goes and everything, I've heard that MJF is not working it and Punk is not working it, as of last I heard. Um, I know that Okada and Danielson is the match that they've been thinking about doing there, depending on Brian's health. Um, I know there's been some talk about uh, doing Mox and and Tanahashi again, and uh, maybe even Kenny working Osprey. We'll see. But, you know... If you have a card like that, you probably don't need MJF on the show because it's freaking stacked anyways. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But that's going to be a loaded show. And as we've said in the build up to this one, we're looking forward to Forbidden Door more than Double or Nothing. And it's sounding like they're gearing up for a hell of a show in just a month from now. So and then, yeah, you guys laid it out with the with the title picture moving forward. There's there's a few different options, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, any other thoughts on that one, guys? Nope. Or anything I said there. Okay. Let's start at the beginning now. So on the pre-show, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but you had the Hardys and Hook taking on uh, Ethan Page and the Guns, and it was pretty sloppy. Jeff Hardy was not on his A-game here. He hasn't worked. This is the longest layoff he's ever had in his whole career, and uh, hasn't worked in a year. And it showed in the match. Um, in the end, the Hardys and Hook went over. And uh, I guess it makes sense to put over Hook here. But uh, it was pretty much a nothing match. It went 15 minutes. It got a lot of time. I don't know if either of you saw it or not. Nope, I missed the entire buy-in. Yeah, yeah. I was buying it. He, he, he was just rusty that he wasn't messed up. Hopefully, Mr. Jeff. I hope not. There was a spot where he was in the corner and he just like tumbled off. He was trying to springboard and didn't land it right and fell. And they, they covered for him like they kept saying, oh, he's rusty. He's been out a long time. Uh, but he did not look particularly good in this match. He did hit the Swanton at one point to break up a pinfall attempt on the guns. They were doing like a double pin, and then he came off the top. They had set this up. You could see it coming a mile away. And that looked pretty brutal for the guns to take <laughs> full weight of that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, Hook got the finish. And as you would expect, went over. So uh, they opened the pay-per-view proper. So they did all the entrances for the Blackjack Battle Royal for the international title at the end of the buy-in show so that when they started the pay-per-view proper, they go right into the match. So, of course, Cassidy defending that title against a litany of people out there, 20 other people. And we said on the pre-show, Swerve, Jay White kind of made the most sense. Maybe Keith Lee, if they were going to do a title change. Uh, pretty action-packed match. I was in and out of the room with my kids going nuts, but um, I do know my oldest daughter who was watching this was really, really into it. And the finish was hot. I liked the finish that they did on the ring apron with my, beautiful. Yeah, they just, just a work of art. <laughs> Swerve and Cassidy back and forth, teasing one of them would get eliminated. In the end, Cassidy retains. Uh, but the finish I, again, I I thought that was highly entertaining. I saw that live. The rest of it, I was kind of in and out of the room. Uh, Justin, do you have anything on this one? I it just you know going back to the finish, it was just hilarious because what made it great was 
orange looking like he was going to, you know, do the Hancock and go for the Superman punch to Lindemann. And he's like, does the most orange Cassidy thing ever. He's like, eh, screw that. Just walks over and casually kicks Swerve's hand <laughs> off the rope and, and Swerve with a great sell of just like almost looking like he was trying to doggy paddle, yeah. trying to grab the, uh, the rope. It was, it was really good. Uh, I know it gets a lot of shit online, at least people kind of sick of battle Royals and it is definitely overused in AEW. I would agree with that, but I almost always enjoy them for the most part. And I thought this one was really well laid out. Uh, I think it highlighted all the right guys and you know, you had Ricky Starks eliminating both Jay white and juice. And the, I thought like the right four guys we're in there in the final. It, it, it made Big Bill look strong. Um, and I, I was really happy to see Swerve get a lot of shine, too, because that's been long overdue. And they once again, finally, after months, got back to Swerve versus Keith Lee. So hopefully mm-hmm. they, they pay that off with an actual match. No kidding. Been a long time. Carl. Yeah, if I'm going to be really hypercritical, it maybe went a little bit long in the middle. Um, Agree. Mm-hmm. But... They covered for you know you had a lot of high flyers in there, so they covered it covered for those by them starting outside of the mat outside of the ring, so they could do their spots jumping you know jumping from the top, so it didn't you know defy logic. Um, someone needs to explain that concept to Jr. because he was start of, <laughs> start a very bad night for for Mister Ross here. Um, but no, yeah. absolutely right. You know, I, I'm not enamored with the name Big Bill. It sounds like a, a, a food brand, like a you know. A tin of baked beans or something like that. Big Bill's beans. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I'm not a big big Battle Royal fan, but they don't disappoint. I think they maybe need to trim them back and maybe not do them as much. But it gets people on the card and keeping the, the belt on Cassidy is absolutely the right move. You know, he's he's someone who I didn't like at first, but he's developed as a character. I like the story with the best friends, I can probably see Beretta maybe turned on them at some point. Um, I'm saying that out of hope because I don't like Chuck Taylor. Um, so I'd, I'd rather see a Beretta Cassidy feud than a, a Taylor Cassidy feud. Uh-huh. But Agreed. it's built a story. And yeah, I, like Justin said, it's they're getting back to Keith Lee and Swerve, um, which is a good thing. They're continuing the, the Starks and um, the Golden Bullet Club, um, which you would assume will end with a Starks white match, which should be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I know there was some people not happy that Jay White didn't go over here because his run so far in AEW has been pretty lackluster. People thought he was going to get a lot more shine coming in than he has, uh, which is one of the reasons why you know on the pre-show we picked him as a possibility. Um, and I thought it was somewhat likely, but they, they got time. Uh, you, you mentioned Orange Cassidy is that he is a guy that just has general public appeal. He's just such an absurd character that anyone who just happens to watch the show gets into him. I've seen this happen with casual fans here and there. I've read people in our Facebook group talking about it as well, that people just love the guy. Uh, great entrance, great theme song. I don't fault them for keeping this title on him uh, at this point in the su- coming into the summer, which is, as we're hoping, going to be a pretty hot summer for a aw jay white would have been fine but uh yeah in the end i'm happy with the result like you guys said i like the keith lee swerve direction hopefully coming out of this you know and it says a lot how your peers see you Mm -hmm. and talking about you know orange cassidy's 
fans and if people like him or not. When Shibata came in, he requested to work with two people. That was Brian Danielson and Orange Cassidy. So I that, that says a lot that an ass kicker like that sees the value and showmanship of an Orange Cassidy. 100%. Yeah. So this match, I agree, was a little long. It was about 22 and a half minutes. Uh, and I, didn't, I don't think I called out the match times. The main event was 27 minutes. The world title match, 27.50. So this just a little bit shorter than that. I'll tell you what, though. A match that should have been a lot shorter was the next one because it killed the crowd live. Adam Cole beating Chris Jericho by referee stoppage, unsanctioned match. Sabu, guest enforcer, 17 minutes, as I said, way too long. This match was boring as hell for for most of it. Justin, I think in the Facebook group on our live thread we had going, you had the dumpster fire gif if i'm not yep. mistaken <laughs> yep i yeah like you said i i was bored to tears oh. during this match and i was even like with the introductions i was watching with my boy and i was getting him hyped up it's like but this is an unsanctioned match you know we might see some blood and some violence mm-hmm. and stuff but holy crap it was just boring and i don't you know jericho hasn't lost a step i think he's lost a foot i mean <laughs> that that lion salt into the Ooh. super kick was just atrocious he was so slow throughout the match um you got <laughs> jr was not particularly good in this one either you, you mentioned jr there was a point where there was some fighting on the outside i'm pretty sure i i don't want to commit slander here it looked like he had a beer in front of him if he did more power to him but man he was not on his a game it was very very noticeable i know why they want jr out there i guess you know for the uh, star power but dude just put tony out there the whole night so, you know, so he is so much better, and it that was noticeable. The match was bad. Um, memorable spots. I mean, they they did the fire extinguisher thing, where uh, that crowd kind of popped for that a little bit. Where the Cole pulled out the fire extinguisher from under the ring as he was hanging across the ring apron, and then he sprayed Jericho with it. Um, Britt Baker came out, took out Jericho with a kendo stick. Crowd liked to see Britt out there. Um, let's see. Soraya came out, tried to make the save, but she also got beat down. And eventually, yeah, Adam Cole just kind of pummeled Jericho, who was like laying on the mat. He didn't really even sell the punches while he was still awake, supposedly. And then I guess he was the story was he was out. And then ref Aubrey Edwards calls for the bell for referee stoppage. Later in the show, there's a backstage interview with Soraya and, and Jericho where he ranted about how the match ended. I was just ranting about the match itself. It was bad. Not good. Not good. As Alan said in the chat, not good, Ryan. Not effing good. That is correct. No, it was. If Sorry, Justin, go ahead. I was just going to say that with the ending, it just didn't feel earned. No. You know, especially with that kind of ending, you almost have to have some blood mm-hmm. or something. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can tell Fofi are back on toe, can't you? Jericho's fatigue. It's not as bad as it was in sort of like the, the 2000, 2000, sorry, 2000 yeah, 2020, 2021 period where he, he was looking very large, but he wasn't in good shape. I, I felt Cole looked quite rusty as well in a match. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with Cole now is a lot of spots you're going to watch him, you're going to be cringing because of the concussions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always going to be a worry. I've always had this thing with Adam Cole. I know he's a good wrestler, and the crowd knows knows he's a good wrestler. 
but they pop for the entrance and a pop for the odd spot with him and that's about it. It was like that in NXT. It was like that, you know, it's he's one of those wrestlers that is good, but he just doesn't grab you. He isn't a baby face that you live and die with. And I think that's a, a problem. And a stoppage finish, we would get we're a guy like Adam Cole just doesn't it doesn't seem credible to me. Like the strikes didn't even look that hard. So Yeah. It it just yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. And as soon as it got the, the guys out of the ring, the, the Sabu spot at the start, oof, that could have gone horribly wrong. Because he just almost looked like he just sort of like fell off the top rope. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't good. And I think Jericho needs some time off the show now. It's Yeah. The yeah. the stuff that he does, like even little things like the, you know, spraying it stinks after he's got, um, Cole, a lot of things that like he knows what he's doing, but it's like, I'm seeing you too mm-hmm. much. You need to go away, concentrate on the tour, get into a bit of better shape and come back when you've got something meaningful for you, rather than Tony having to sort of shoehorn him in when I don't think Tony Khan needs that problem at the moment. He's got a lot of people to to find feuds for and Jericho, it's just an unnecessary thing at the moment. Get Take mm-hmm. six months off, come back, go to Japan, do something. I mean, with that finish, if you're a wrestling fan and you've seen, I don't know, for example, Brock Lesnar pummel Randy Orton at SummerSlam, <laughs> legit, <laughs> it's really hard to buy it when, as you guys mentioned, the, the punches did not look particularly stiff and then it's a stoppage. I mean, look, we've seen this way better executed in the past. It, it just didn't work for me at all. So, I don't, did you have a problem with that? since it was an unsanctioned match too, that that's how it ends. Yeah, I mean, like how many the, times, I, how many times have you seen a wrestler take punishment in a match and not be able to defend themselves and the match just goes on and that's like a regular match. Yeah. That when you, you know, you've seen the night before things like that. And it's like, it's not stop the match. I mean, the yeah. worst strikes in the main event didn't stop the match. It's yeah. I just, unsanctioned should be, yeah. I I, I get it. If it's unsanctioned, it's just fight till it's like an unsanctioned last man standing like fight till the end. I get that. But <laughs> we saw a man take a, an explosion in the face from well, a sneaker. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that did not end it. Yes. Well, you know, I I don't hate the logic of it with it being an unsanctioned match because you know Adam Cole is so upset about you know what he did to Britt and the entire mm. build to the match where he doesn't even give a shit about getting the pin he just wants to end chris jericho but they like i like we all said they just didn't earn it they just didn't get there to where it made sense and he really needed to be laying it in more Mm -hmm. yeah all right let's move on tag team title match uh ftr defending against Jarrett and lethal they also had karen Jarrett out there at ringside sanjay dutt satnam singh Mark Briscoe, special guest referee, 20 minutes pretty much on the nose for this one. I thought early, the ma- again, the crowd was really, really weak. Late in the match, it kind of came back. Give Jeff Jarrett his due here. Yeah, <laughs> he got him. Got the crowd back into it at the end. I think the match was too long, I will say. Uh, in the end, it ended up being a, a pretty decent match. Uh, let me throw it to Carl first on this one. Your thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, I thought, because JR was tele- trying his best to telegraph that there was going to be some 
you know, some issue with Briscoe that would cause the call to finish. He said he's not an experienced yeah. ref, and he was laying it in. And it was only when he started shouting randomly at Dutt or Karen Jabber, like, oh, no, it's just JR is just completely on a different show at the moment. <laughs> and it, this was, I didn't say anything about JR in the last, in the last match, because this is where, for me, I was like, it's just a parody of himself now, and he just needs to go. It was just, just dude, sort of like shouted and using the Jezebel phrase. Like, oh no! But as a match, yeah, I, I thought Jarrett would get him into it. I, I like Jay Lethal. I think he's a, he's a good worker. FTR, are a fantastic tag team. I, I enjoyed it. It was, but at this point, it was probably pushing the battle roll. It's not like my favourite match so far. Uh, you know, the three. I was, I, I enjoyed this. I, Probably had lower expectations for it, and then it came. It came out and delivered a, a decent match, and keep keep the belt in FTR. And I just hope they can find you know a good set of challenges for them going forward. Um, keep their momentum going. Jarrett and Lethal, you know, every credit to them. They've done well. I quite like to see Lethal maybe in that TNT um, Championship picture potentially as a singles again. Yeah, I I, th- I feel like you know you mentioned who they're going to work with moving forward. And we've talked about this on the show before, but again, this is where that trios title situation is hurting them so much in the tag division because like house of black finally feels like what they should have been all along. And they feel Mm -hmm. very over right now. Imagine them in the tag title picture. Instead, they got a whole different set of tag titles, the trios titles, and it just dilutes the tag division so much. You know, I was early on in this match, I was watching it and, when the crowd wasn't quite into it yet. And I was just thinking about like last year and even before that, when the the tag division was such a signature for AEW, you know, with acclaimed having the belts and just hot, hot crowds. And before they came back, I'm like, man, this division has really fallen. And that sucks saying that with FTR, you know, with the titles, one of the top tag teams in the world. But yeah, you're right. Like, where do they go next? That's that's the never ending question. They 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 showed us on the show. It, it looks like they're going to be going up against Bullet Club Gold. Yeah, they, FTR saved uh, Ricky Starks mm, from yeah. being attacked. Yeah, I just feel like long term wise, there's limited options, yeah. and that's oh, that's, that's, that's like the continuing question is all right. Who's next? You can't really you can't telegraph it too much, and sometimes you want that predictability. You want to see someone coming, and. You know, they didn't get the trios titles, as we're going to talk about. And so there's still that idea of when does the acclaim to get back into the picture because they're still one of the most overacts in the entire company. And we can have that argument again and again. Was it the wrong decision to take the belts off of them? And I'm sure we'll come back to that at some point in time. But, yeah, this, this match got going late. As I said, there was a long heat spot with uh, Cash Wheeler. Uh, where he was selling and selling and selling. Eventually, Dax got in there. He had a diving headbutt, German suplexes, brain brain buster to Jay Lethal. Uh, Couldn't get the pin. Late, Jarrett gets out the guitar, and uh, he gives the guitar shot to Briscoe. How'd this finishing sequence go again? My notes are a little jumbled up here. We had multiple guitar spots. Mm -hmm. There was the one on the outside yeah, I, as well to referee Aubrey Edwards. Yeah, that was kind of crazy to see Aubrey take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not quite um, sure what the point that was because it didn't lead to anything. It was no, a bit like, not really. I, mean, I, was, I was thinking this is going to build into the anarchy in the arena. It's going to be they're going to be a ref shot or something. 
But it was just like, no, she just she took the shot. She had the rest of the night off. Yeah, and that was Karen. Karen Jarrett taking out yeah. Aubrey on the outside. Jarrett, after Jarrett took out Mark Briscoe. That's right. Um, and so eventually, we had Jarrett pissed because Briscoe didn't count his pinfall on Dax. And then Briscoe responded by shoving him right into the shatter machine and FTR got the pinfall, retained their titles. Pretty predictable finish that they would retain, but you know that was kind of the theme throughout the show. As we said on the pre-show, mostly predictable results, it seemed like. Anything else on that one, guys? I don't think so. The match was fine. Uh, this was certainly the first half where I was getting really worried mm-hmm. about the crowd being dead. But uh, yeah, l- like like we said, luckily, you know, Mark Briscoe and Jeff Jarrett were able to kind of pull them back into it. And they were really up for the entire finishing portion of the match. Yes. Wardlow. Talk about a guy who has lost a lot of steam since last year. Um Defending his TNT title ladder match against Christian Cage, the timeless Christian Cage. My God, this guy has not missed a beat. He is still fantastic. Um, now, Wardlow, on the other hand, as I said, they still got some rebuilding to do with this guy. I think I've just one of the things that's really been bugging me about Wardlow, even though he's such a big jacked guy, I hate the haircut. I hate that they just made him look like another guy. <laughs> you know, the yeah. hair made him look so unique before. And now he just looks like he's got the same haircut as 90% of men around the world. And of course, he's big and jacked. But outside of that, he's just not doesn't have the the same look to him that he had. I feel like that's working against him. Um, this match went a little over 17 minutes. And as I said, Christian was pretty fantastic in this match. Um, but overall, wasn't great. I mean, it was average. Nothing to go out of your way to see, I didn't think. Uh, Carl, what did you think of this one? Yeah, solid. Nothing spectacular. I did have visions of Sid um, when Wardlow tried to jump onto the uh, ladder. I thought, oh, God. Yes. He hasn't busted his leg here because that was... <laughs> I like Wardlow, but it's... They get him to do things like the the senton, where it's, it's ridiculous because he's that big. You've got to have reps holding the ladder. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was a bit of fun and plunder as a match, but he has been called off so significantly that they've got to do a lot of work. As for Christian, you know, he comes out of a jungle boy feud and he's the stronger of the two, which shows probably what being a top guy is and what jungle boy needs to learn because he's kept his character strong. He's you know, I didn't like the Luchasaurus stuff. I thought that with with Arn, I was like. Why is Arn suddenly become this maniac? He wants to bite people's thumbs off. Yeah, it was just yeah. <laughs> at the end where he's sort of sat in the column like, what am I watching right now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ladder was, after he did that spot you mentioned where he jumped onto it and, and broke it, then he tried to use it again, as Alan mentioned <laughs> in the chat. I don't understand why he kept using the messed up ladder. And like at one point, the referee came in to try to stabilize it. And then it was like basically like, dude, you got to get a different ladder. You can't, you can't possibly climb this thing. The one side will not go down all the way. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Once again, it was it was fine. I, I'm probably going to give any st- uh, match five stars when Christian wears his tactical turtleneck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's going to make me love it that much more. And and I liked the way he worked the matches, you know, a heel yeah. where they looked like they kept building to a big spot with the ladder and then he'd worm his way out of it. Mm-hmm. It happened like 
four or five times. So I appreciate that, but God, you know, and this goes for almost the entire card. And I think this was like the third straight match in a row that involved like a bunch of outside interference mm-hmm. guys running in, you know, with Jericho and Cole, it happened at the beginning of the match, but it was still there. It's just like, it's getting really old and just a really tired trope that AEW keeps leaning into. Yeah. So I, I, I hope they get away from that. Yeah. Yeah, too many characters. They're trying to get on the screen all the time. Yeah, the the biting spot coming out of the choke slam attempt from Luchasaurus to Arn Anderson was visually pretty crazy with Arn all that blood on his face and stuff. But yeah, that was that was bizarre. Didn't particularly like it that much. Um, yeah, there was the uh, the ladder spot out in the aisle as we talked about earlier with Wardlow. And eventually what happened is um, Christian was climbing up the ladder and Arn tipped the ladder over and Wardlow caught him, almost dropped him, recovered, caught him and slammed him and then got the title to retain. And so, yeah, it was to me, it was the Christian Cage show, the tactical turtleneck. I love that. On that phrase, Justin, uh, showing that he can still work a ladder match at this point in his career, mm-hmm. but Wardlow is just kind of there and along for the ride, which is not what you want to say for the guy who has the title. You know, you know what's funny? You talking about his hair, and I, I stole this point from somebody on Twitter. I, I wish I could give them credit, but I can't remember who. It's so funny that you know he got his hair clipped in that feud, yep. and, and it meant so much of him because of his dad or something. It's like, just grow it back out, dude. I know. You could just grow it back out. <laughs> I got to get a haircut every four weeks or I look shaggy. It won't take that long, man. Come on. At least to <laughs> make it start looking unique again instead of the every man's haircut. Come on. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. So that takes us to Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter for the women's world title. And, and we talked about it going in on the preview show. Jamie Hayter is legit injured, has the shoulder injury. And they played into that in the intros where they played her song. You know, she didn't come out. They played her song again. She comes stumbling out. Um, and, you know, she's getting beaten down by Soraya and Ruby Soho. Takes a bunch of punishment in the ring. I mean, it was like a three-minute match. Not much to it at all. Um, in the end, we have the title change. Tony Storm gets the victory, which we said was quite likely because of both the injury and also that we had heard is the fact, and I think Fightfold reported this, that the lay of the land in the women's division was about to change significantly. And that's also going to play into what happened in the TBS world title match here in a second. So I can't say I was surprised at all by this result. I think Hater, who is legit injured, give her credit for going out there and working. You know, she took a lot of planned spots to her arm to make it look like they were I'm you know they worked it safe but still it looked pretty brutal uh after the beating down the ramp they had to deal where they're working over her shoulder outside by the steps there was a mess up at one point where they went to like kick her arm and the arm dropped early so then they repeated it and did it again um they had the spray paint spot where ruby sprayed spray paint in hater's face um you had Britt Baker and Sheeta run out to try to even the odds. Uh, but in the end, yeah, Storm puts away Hater, gets the victory. So thoughts here, Mr. Joints. <laughs> you're just your all-time video 
game glitch moment when Hader just randomly took off and hit that turnbuckle. Oh yeah, I that mean, was the, so bad. The finish there, yeah, the finishing yeah. sequence where she ran in, that was not good. I felt like they should have known live maybe that that didn't look good and to do something else, but they still took that yeah. right into the pinfall, unfortunately. Carl, uh, or, go ahead, Justin. Finish. Up. I, I was just gonna say. Uh, finish wasn't all that surprising we talked about it on the preview show um you you got to assume you let hater heal up and, and get her title back at all in yeah yeah uh, the, the finish was was stupid they didn't even they didn't even need to go to that spot um they had ample spots to do it beforehand and it wouldn't have hurt her um they could have done what they did, wanted to do in 90 seconds and it you know, with, with the start, obviously, you know, her being attacked and all that. I just, yeah, I just don't quite know what that spot was meant to be. Um, it was, it was odd, but yeah, she's hurt. She needs time, time to recover. Don't have a massive issue putting the belt on Storm. I would question Fightful's signif- something looking significantly different um, when it's Tony Storm as a two-time champion, and we'll talk about the return, which I, I don't think is that much different really but yeah hopefully hater can be back for, for Wembley I don't know how serious the injury is on isn't but yeah you know it'd be a shame for the Brit to to miss it and she's she's the one one of the one of the two Brits on the on the show that I'd w- rather see in the women's division because I don't particularly want to see Soraya yeah <laughs> <laughs> I I sure hope she could be on that show that would be mm. a travesty if she couldn't work yeah. that show well, and especially to to work Tony Storm because yeah. those two have great chemistry. I loved their match at mm-hmm. Full Gear last year. Yeah. That was that was a shame with the injuries that they they, they were you know missed out the chance to have another great match, and I think that did affect the card because the finish just felt really odd, and it was another flat feeling finish. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I don't know. We'll see what they do with Britt while Jamie's assumingly away, unless they keep her on TV and just talking. Um, but it does feel like they need to move Britt back into that title picture. It's been a long time, and she's still, you know, one of the most over women in the company, one of the most over stars in the company. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. Not much to talk about. Three minute match, title change, not all that unexpected. Um, we roll that into the six man trios title match with House of Black against the acclaimed and billy gunn yeah uh max caster's rap was phenomenal <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he made a reference to buddy matthews and his dating rhea ripley talked about dominic how he's uh with his girl on television there's some other lines that aren't coming to me right now but that was the big line that popped everybody it was good it was one of his best raps in a while uh match itself was i don't know it was all right decent nothing again to go out of your way to see but i'd, I'd rate it a average to slightly above average uh justin what did you think of this one i agree 100 percent with you I, I would say it was bang average um I, I do like house of black still mostly being portrayed as ass kickers and yes. the the lighting much better now than their first attempt at this i don't know house of black rules stuff mm-hmm. so it was fine who was that that mentioned in our Facebook group, the Red Hell in a Cell? I can't remember now. Someone said that it was worse than the Red Hell in a Cell, and I was like, oh, no, never go Red Hell in a Cell. I don't think it was. it's quite that bad, and I agree with you. They improved it from a watchability aspect here. Um, but, yeah, it was – Carl, what do you got? 
It was solid. I mean, they've done a really good job of House of Black to recover them because they were on their way to just being really insignificant before the return and they've mm-hmm. come back um, to portray them well. Brody King was like a complete arse kicker, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. And I can see him, you know, when they when they do drop the belts and he could, you know, have another one that could be in that TNT mix, have a decent run. They've got so many options in the mid card. This this promotion that they just need to utilize them right. But at this point, I think again holding the trace title for the next, you know, probably next couple of pay per view cycle. If you include, if you class all and all out as one pay per view, um, I'd like to see him hold hold about through to full gear and see what they're doing. I like you. The the lighting's right as well this time. Definitely not anywhere near like the red hell in the cell. That's awful. This is good. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the acclaimed getting them back in that title, tactile mix. I don't need to see Billy Gunn wrestling. I all I want to see from Billy Gunn is just considering, and that's it. That's all I yeah. want to see. Well, at least he was the one who took the pinfall. Took the exactly, that exactly. Was the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I will say, you know, talking about Brody King and being an ass kicker, I, I'm a big fan, but I hated the way he sold that famouser. Like, you know, how The Rock would sell the stunner. I thought that was bad. Yeah, yeah. I think he was overselling. I don't know if he was overselling because he wanted to get Billy Gunn over a little bit before the pinout. It just... Yeah, yeah. You don't... Yeah, that's the problem when you've got some like Billy Gunn in there. He just... He can't take it seriously. The guy, I mean, what is he, like, pushing 60 now? I know we, I know we talk about Jeff Jarrett, but... Mid-50s. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll Google it. Yeah, he was... <laughs> yeah, 59. 59 yeah. you're right yeah um yeah so yeah I, I agree with you i don't really need to see him out there they claim he needs to be in the tag division i mean he's out there out of a necessity in this match but yeah it's the whole the whole thing with house of black less lore more ass kicking i'm mm-hmm. happy with that you know i think the presentation right now is pretty much exactly what it needs to be um i know brody king's excited to see him punk's back Coming back, mm-hmm. he what did he tweet about it the other day or something? So mm-hmm. expect to see him on Saturday evenings here in the future. But uh, yeah, they retain again. Predictable. They're an actual trios team, long term, and so yeah, they get the win. Fifteen minutes and thirty seconds, and the only match we haven't talked about. Well, I guess this will turn into two matches. Is uh, Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against Taya Valkyrie? That was the first match. It went just under nine minutes. Jade, of course, got the victory. No surprise. You know, talked about on the pre-show, Valkyrie being a veteran can help lead Jade through this match. Jade's still pretty green in the ring. But no surprise, she gets the win. They put up the big graphic on the screen, 60-0. and And then Smart Mark Sterling gets on the microphone, and he basically says that, look, she's beat everyone. There's nobody left for her to take on. What names were running through you guys' heads at this point in time before we get the return? Who did you think might come out? I just want to I want to hear it. Any ideas? I had nothing. I had no idea. I was thinking it can't be Mercedes Monet. That was the only that would be like the big one to really pop. I was like, they're not gonna bring her in. Yeah. That was the only one that was running through my head. That was when I was I was wondering about her if maybe she'd come out even injured just to do like mm-hmm. a face off from the ramp or something. Instead, we got Chris Thatlander. It's been out, you know, for injury for quite some time. She comes down to the ring, 
They do a match. And to probably everyone's surprise, she actually defeated Jade Cargill. So unannounced match, you know, a couple of years of Jade never losing a match. Statlander comes back, gets the victory, changing the lay of the land here in the women's division again, because now we've got a new TBS champion, Chris Statlander. I will say crowd really liked it. They like seeing her. I mean, Statlander is one of these AEW originals as well. She's always been very popular. I like and what we have seen with her character before that they were moving away from the whole like alien bit a little bit because I thought that was a little over the top. Um, so why did this happen? You're probably wondering what the mm-hmm. hell is happening? Why would Jade Cargill lose after two years of building up this winning streak? Well, apparently Jade is going to take some time off and she's going to be coming back with a reworked character. What? Yeah, what? that's that's according to Fightful. That she's coming back and they're they're reworking her character, which seems odd to me since this is what they've built for two years. The character. I mean, I would. Character's the best thing about her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I think everybody would agree that the run had gotten a little stale, but to to completely change her character that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I will. uh, I will read you exactly what the report said because this was. It was almost like Fightful was sitting on this story. And, you know, they weren't going to, they obviously weren't going to spoil what was going to happen. Um, Statlander's been around for a few weeks training backstage. She's very, very well liked by everyone at AEW. So it didn't really surprise people backstage that she would get this win and get this spot. I was shocked that and they were going for the shock finish and the shocked match. I was surprised they wouldn't build to the match and do it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but yeah. Exactly. If she's in line for a character change, you know, whoever's going to beat her, give them a straight up win. That, that is so weird to me, especially when it's you essentially got the same thing as the money in the bank cash in, you know, where the baby face does the surprise cash in and yep. gets kind of the, the cheap win. Uh, that's uh, that's really odd to me. Here's the here's the quote. Fightful has learned that Jade Cargill is slated to take some time off soon, if not immediately, before returning to the ring with a personality shift down the road. So they use a different term, personality shift. I take that as a character change, but yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, Statlander's been on the road for a while, uh, and she's been working out in the ring. And so this is... Uh, this is part of this shift that's going to be happening in the women's division, I guess, over the summer. Which, you know, I like Statlander, but it felt like a letdown when the surprise was her. And I mean, just to your point, build to this match instead. Even if you would have just had her come out and tease the match for this Wednesday where she beats Jade, mm-hmm. I think would have been a much better route. Yeah. Yeah, because even as I was thinking about this, um, because after this match, I paused my stream to go to the um, local shop. And I was thinking about this. As a, even as a babyface, you can still use Beach and Jade Cargo as a as a part of your promo. You get, say, a returning Nyla Rose comes back and challenges Statlander, and she can say, I was the only person to beat Jade Cargo. Do you think I'm going to worry about you? You know, like, be, you know, mm-hmm. deal on a monster heel. It just feels like a bit of a waste, just for the sake of even three days, you know, four days till um, Dynamite, do it then. You can still give it a time off. As for the yeah. character change, I'm, I'm, we can't prejudge what that character change is going to be, but it does seem very odd because that's the best thing about her. 
Um, she definitely needed to drop the belt. It was getting stale, but I wouldn't have done it in this way. It did feel, obviously knowing that now, sort of slightly different, slightly differently, but it did feel a little bit like booking in the moment, which is a criticism sometimes of AEW you can have, and, and WWE as well, where you book for the moment rather than the long term, whereas if you've just waited waited to build it even over a week, two weeks, you then yeah. give Statlander a better hand going forward. The other thing is, and I like Statlander, but it's a risk because she's had two serious injuries. You know, she you know she gets knocked banged up again, then they're going to have to completely re- revisit things. Where you know, so it's just I, you don't set someone up to fail in a way. Potentially, this will do because she's given off a long run and she's now going to establish herself. She's not really got anything to talk about other than I've got the belt. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I will say when it first happened, before I saw the Fightful report, I had a lot of things running through my mind because now I know she's she signed a multi-year contract with AEW, I mm. believe in late 2020. I don't know how long that contract is. We know most of them have been three or four years lately. This is not a report, but I didn't have I had someone tell me this was probably January. And Justin, I remember I think I sent this to you and Kyle in our text thread. Back in January, someone who is connected, although they haven't really broken any stories to me, so I don't want to put too much stock in this. I'll just say it's like a rumor. Um, but someone told me who was who is connected back in January that Jade was wanting to go to WWE. And this was four months ago. I would think at, I don't know when her contract ends, but if she signed a three-year contract in late 2020, you know, she potentially have like six months left. So when she lost it out of nowhere here, I was thinking, wait, is she on the way out? Is that what's happening? But then I saw Fightful's report, so it kind of took me away from that thought. Now, WWE did try to sign Jade before she went to AEW. She had a tryout with them. I guess the story was they were questioning how committed she was to the wrestling industry. Obviously, had a great look. She chose to not go there, and she went to AEW. But like I said, this person told me about four months ago that she was starting to eye up WWE again. I do not know if that is still the case. If she's coming back with a different personality, uh, it would lead me to believe that that is no longer the case. I will just say that I did hear that like four months ago. I don't know if there's any truth to that any longer. Just something to keep your eye on, I guess, moving forward. Is she thinking, is she thinking Hollywood if she's going to WWE? Because I can't think of any other reason. I know, to right? To go to that promotion right now. Right. I mean, yeah, their, their, I their no women's idea. division is stacked. Like, where where would her spot be? Mm-hmm. It's you know probably one area that WWE are doing well. Yeah, and okay. I mean, even so, even with AEW being the smaller company, you know, when they brought her in, they gave some star power. You know, and they've got a water association, so it's not like Hollywood yeah. won't have their eyes on it now. Maybe that's what's changed it. Maybe the collision deal and everything's maybe changed her mind. She's gonna have a character change, and we'll see. Yeah, yes. I don't know something something to watch moving forward, guys. But uh, yeah, so we had that title change. I was shocked as it happened. Uh, I mean, it was like forty seconds or so, and Statlander got the victory. So first pinfall Jade has taken, and that that's the card that takes us through everything. So that was double or nothing twenty twenty three from Vegas. Any closing thoughts, guys? Nope, I think we hit most of my thoughts. Yeah, yeah nothing for me. I think. Place hold the show very much. I've got through it, and as we've all said, they've got a big summer ahead of them. And 
I would be shocked if come all out we're talking about a show being a C or a B. I would expect mm. him to be back onto the A grades. Um, hopefully an A grade Roland as well. But yeah. that's obviously biased for me being there. <laughs> I think it should be pretty special. Yeah, yeah. it should um, be. Yeah. Also, I wanted to mention this news came out. We haven't really talked about it on the show yet, um, but they did finally release a release date for Fight Forever, the upcoming video game. They showed some footage right before the world title match of like a simulation of that match comes out june 29th carl i don't know how much of a gamer you are we could talk about it here in a second justin i know you have been waiting for fight forever i've kind of encouraged you to get 2k23 because it is a really solid game and there's a ton of aw creations on community creations on there but you've been pretty steadfast that not you're waiting for AEW, and that'll be the next wrestling game that you buy so how excited are are you for the game justin what do you make of what you've seen in the footage Oh, yeah, I'm excited to play it. I, I hate, just a nitpick, sorry, yeah. everybody, how stiff the belt looks when the guys were holding it up yeah. when they won it. Yeah. That, that's just it's something that kind of annoys me, but I will uh, I will definitely be getting it when it comes out. Carl, what about you? Yes, yeah, same. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big gamer, but I do enjoy the wrestling games. Um, Fire Pro is a, a big favorite of mine. Oh yeah. Um I've got 2K22. I didn't get 2K23, but I did enjoy 22. Um and probably will wait for 23 to get a bit cheap, but I'll be buying Fight Forever. Um yeah. the belt aesthetics aside, which is a it's a common theme for most wrestling games. Yeah, it's a, it's that way in the WWE games too. Yeah. And they can never quite get the hair right. That that is oh, the 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 WWE <laughs> games too. Yeah. Yes. Like it moves too much <laughs> in the WWE games. Um it definitely, you know, it has an arc kind of an arcadey look to it Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like the old revenge no mercy games which will be a strength i'm looking forward to that whereas the wwe game definitely has the more they're trying to get realism across like it's supposed to feel more like a real match it's gonna have a more arcadey feel but also you can pick it up and play and have really good matches i think that shows in the footage that we've seen so far uh so i am really really looking forward to it i have seen people nitpicking the graphics on it that it looks like ps2 graphics i gotta tell you though i you know being a teacher and i'm around teenagers all the time this generation does not care about graphics that is to most i maybe for our generation where we saw gaming change so much from like freaking atari up through modern day we might be obsessed with graphics they don't really care that much and if they're looking to connect with the younger generation through the game to get fans which is one of the strengths a successful video game has i mean like how many times back in the day did you play revenge or no mercy with people at sleepovers who weren't even wrestling fans but would love to play the game like it's a way you can connect with people and get them possibly interested in the product and like i said i'll tell you teenagers they don't really they, they play minecraft that is not good graphic minecraft could be n64 you know so i don't think that that is a detracting thing from the game carl you mentioned fire pro wrestling i love that game too again graphics are not superb <laughs> it, it it definitely has a different look it's more 2d but it it looks crisp which i like and uh it doesn't take away from the game to me it's all about gameplay yeah yeah it has a feel of you know say that, that no mercy revenge sort of gameplay which is good i hope i saw some on twitter a few a few days ago so i forget what old WWF WWE game it was but it was um 
seeing it crashing into JBL's limo. And I'm like, I kind of oh, thought, yes. I, hope they, I hope they bring those sorts of sort of random thing backstage things back because obviously 2K will not do it, but you know, we could bring that thing. And a big thing for me, so in the UK, it's 50, 50 quid, which that's a good price point. You know, there's no extras so far advertised. And I think that's a big thing. Price it competitively, yeah. not like I think the 2K23 was like 108 quid over here. We've got the full package. That's too much for a video game for someone who's 14, 15 years old. And that's the mm. audience you want to be grabbing. Yeah. They've got our money. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think, again, I think it's huge for the company to do something like this to potentially reach new people. We've seen AEW as it's gone on. They grew their audience a little bit with Punk's arrival. This safe. It's stay. I mean, it's, it's, the ratings have gone down. Um, of course, some people aren't watching through conventional means, but they haven't really grown their audience. Like we'd see, we've got like that hardcore base that watches all the time. They got to reach new people somehow. And I think the video game could be a great gateway for people. We will see. I hope it's super successful. I'm really looking forward to playing it though. Justin's your kid going to play it. Oh yeah. He's excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So lastly, real quick, Night of Champions also happened this weekend. And uh, yeah, I, I've seen the big matches. I have not seen everything through the middle of the card. Uh, I tuned in live to watch the world title match, which opened the show, which I thought was a mistake. Uh, I saw the main event. I saw most of Brock and Cody. And I mean, overall, it seemed like a pretty enjoyable show, but not an A-level show. Um, I again, I was dismayed that they had this new world title open because I felt like, as we said on our preview show, you should put more focus on that, even if Roman Reigns is on the show, just in order to display to the audience that this is a prestigious title, not jerking the curtain. Justin, to your point, we talked about two really solid workers, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. They should have a really good match. And then you said, oh, not so fast on that. You were right, sir. Because <laughs> this match was nothing spectacular, I didn't think. Um, I don't no, know. I was I was kind of I was bored by it, man. Yeah. It's like I just first off, I want to say uh, with just my general feelings about where WWE is at right now in their product, I liked this event a lot more than I thought I would. I 100% agree with you. I don't understand why this went first. A lot of people will say it was like, well, it's because of everything that happened at the end of the tag team match. Well, okay. Save the Jimmy stuff for Friday. Do that on SmackDown. You can do everything else. You can have the Usos accidentally kick solo to, to help Kevin and Sammy get the win, mm -hmm. uh, but save everything else for later. You, you don't have to do it on this show. You know, your other world champion isn't defending his world championships on the show. Let build up this other, your third world title. Yeah. It's just so dumb to me, but yeah, I, kind of along the same lines as with the pillars four-way match it just all of seth and aj's matches together and with other opponents just feel like paint by numbers mm -hmm. it just feels like i'm getting the same thing every single time none of it feels natural and i yeah i was just bored by this match help my my match in the night would probably be gunter versus uh, mustafa ali i thought that was perfect and the big part of that is gunter actually feels different 
than everybody else. Kind of the same way with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I put in that same boat. Those two are just completely different than everybody else on the roster. I, you know, going back to the tag team match, I am so sick of these Roman Reigns matches. They're all laid out exactly the same. I, I'm just so bored to tears with that. I actually did Sorry. doze off during the middle of that match. <laughs> 26 yeah. and a half minutes. Yeah, to your point about the Jimmy thing, if they would have done it on SmackDown, way more people would have seen it live. I mean, I got to imagine, I don't know, how, we don't know the numbers of how many people watch this live, but like it's a holiday weekend. It's on during the middle of the day on a Saturday on a holiday. I don't imagine that many people are watching, especially in comparison to like a Fox SmackDown show. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would have been the better time to do it. But yeah, I mean, they could have put this in the semi main. They could have even opened with this. They could have opened with Brock and Cody, which I think was the point that I had made that I would have put that one on first. Uh, I definitely said that in the, in the Facebook group. And uh, I mean, the, there was some reaction that, well, it's Brock Lesnar. He has to go on towards the end. But I mean, like Brock and Seth opened a WrestleMania. So surely he can open this show. And again, with the problems there, Cody, of course, took the loss, just like we figured would happen. We got to go 50-50. But again, the spotlight's on Brock Lesnar. And it felt like the spotlight was on Brock Lesnar at Backlash. And so I don't think that this feud, even though Cody will eventually get the next win, most likely at SummerSlam, um, I just don't think it's done anything for him. I think Cody's momentum is so slowed right now. Uh, The out is that he has the hurt arm. But like I made the point on the preview show that put him over strong with the hurt arm to show how good this guy is. Instead, we got to drag this on. He'll eventually beat Brock. And how much momentum is he going to have by next April? If that's when they do the Roman match, I do not know. But I would not put money on him having anywhere close to what he had this past April when they should have had him win the championship, I believe. Uh, yeah. So, Carl, we've touched on a lot of matches, but give us your thoughts on this show. Yeah, there's a lot of problems in WWE right now because Seth AJ wrestled for the title four years ago or wrestled for a title four years ago. Neither of them seem to have moved forward in any mm-hmm. any meaningful way. I'd say Seth Rollins has regressed in those four years. His character stinks. I, I just and to Justin's point about the matches, you can you go into a Seth Rollins match knowing exactly what it's going to look like. You go into an AJ match knowing exactly what it's going to look like. And it's that can work, but it doesn't work when you're wrestling sometimes three, four times a month um, mm-hmm. across TV. You can't have that pattern sort of match. The two or the three people that have been moved forward in the last four years, in my opinion, that are on that are on that roster are Cody, who was eating a loss to Brock, feels significantly cooler than he did in January, and I think it will get colder and colder to the point where. Next April won't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't see that Roman match happening in this trajectory. Gunford's the one bright spot for me in the sense that he he has got a lot of upload mobility and hopefully they can build on that. I worry about a certain VKM getting involved and not liking what he sees. The big concern for me is this talk of Bianca Belair and the Street Profits turning heel. If they, they've done such a number on Bianca Belair that they're going to turn her heel. Like, what are they doing with their pens and pencils in creative? Like, they've, you know, she has been done such a disservice. You know, in the build to Mania, she felt like a complete afterthought. 
I personally, the storyline they're doing with uh, Becky, they should do should have done with her uh, mania. It should have been Trish turning on it on her and use Trish's star power as such to you know keep Bianca feeling relevant. But what does Becky Lynch going to gain from this feud? And that's the point yeah. about Jake when we talk about Jake Carl going to WWE. There's so many people are trying to satisfy that division that Bianca's being left behind, and it's not it's not good. Rhea, I guess, is the exception as well. Um, but she had to get, she's had to jump through hurdles to get there because you know four years ago, three years ago now, she you know she was dealt a really bad hand with the Charlotte Flair feud, and she's had to rebuild herself. I'm not convinced that Bianca's going to be able to do that with a heel turn. Her character doesn't feel like a heel. Um, and it just, it's very odd. I'm not convinced. I mean, I'm hearing rumours that Roman's going to defend Money in the Bank and SmackDown. So it's SmackDown SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. So that, you question what the Zuso storyline's going to be. Is that just going to be a, a SmackDown TV match? Yeah. It just, it's, I'm glad I don't watch it week to week because it's just, <laughs> Uh, and I yeah. only watched it because I was coming on this show and it was on in the background. It's, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you on Bianca. I, I don't particularly like the plan. I know a lot of people think, oh, she plays the heel role well. It'll be great. I think that she has the most mainstream babyface potential right now of like anyone in the women's division. Mm-hmm. Little girls love Bianca Belair. And I, this speaks to this greater problem of where they've been tying the real life couples together on TV. Like I think it hurt Becky. I hate that they're doing that with her and the street profits because I think the street profits as a heel team is a great idea. I don't like that. You got to turn both of them. I think Bianca should stay baby face and that the street Profits should go heel and quit tying them together through the real life couples shit. Uh, So I don't, I don't like that direction either. I think that that is a bad idea. I didn't hate Oscar winning the title. Because as you said, and as we've talked about, the title reign had needs some juice. It had gotten boring. Need a change of pace here. I also agree that Gunther is one of the big bright spots in WWE. And I hope to your point, Carl, Vince McMahon doesn't change directions there. To his point, he's a big dude and Vince likes big mm. dudes. So I think he'll be fine. He's gotten himself into great shape, which we know is something that Vince wanted. So I think he'll be fine. And yeah. There's 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 some to like. There's some things to be concerned about here. Uh, overall, from what I saw, it was like a fairly enjoyable show. But yeah, creative continues to make me scratch my head a little bit. Particularly with, with Bianca, where she, you know, surely the, the logical story she's dropped the raw belt because she's on SmackDown ultimately. So she, you know, that belt goes to Raw. That you know, it's an illogical way to done the draft. But she's got the heel to run at. She's got rear there. She's got, you know, have that, you know, rebuild herself with the baby face to, to the throne rear. That's the natural story. I don't, you know, yeah. to your point, yeah, Street Profits as heels. I'd probably say Montez Ford as a heel. Um, mm. so singles, I would quite like. But yeah, tying them together, because just, you kind of, you know, fitting a square peg into a round hole by making a heel. And I worry that will completely cool the Jets even more yeah. so than what she has done. Agreed. Justin, anything? I, I think you guys have really summed it up really well. I agree with everything you've said. Uh, real quick, I, I 
going back to Gunther, I like the entire presentation uh, along with his cronies. I think his two cronies are just fantastic and add so much to the, the entire thing. I really liked the finish of Bianca Belair and Asuka. I thought that was really creative with Asuka, you know, spitting the mist onto her hand as she was kind of mm-hmm. anticipating for uh, Bianca going for a finisher. I thought that was good stuff. And that also tells me the way they were, they did that, that I, I don't think Bianca's going to be turning heel at least anytime soon. I, if they want to do that, it's going to take a few months of uh, planting those seeds, kind of like what they're doing with jungle boy over in AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, r- real quick. I, w- I will say I- I'm baffled by a lot of the Cody stuff. I hated him running away at the opening of the match. Yeah. I mean, yes. what, what a baby what, face. Yeah. Yeah. That, that made no sense to me outside of that. I, I, I liked the match for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really difficult unless it's, uh, against Roman Reigns in, in WrestleMania outside of 31. I like Brock Lesnar matches mm. a lot for the most part. Mm. Uh, but other than that, I would say as far as this card goes, I loved Natty getting squashed. I thought that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you know your your country's politics are pretty screwed up when you're making Trish Stratus cover up her body. <laughs> no, no kidding. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Trish getting the victory over Becky Lynch. 15-minute match. All right. We've covered a lot of ground this, this uh, morning. Justin, I want us to uh, enjoy the rest of our holiday weekend. So I think we're going to wrap this couple yeah. of couple of house cleaning items here. Um, first of all, shout out to Peter who joined the Patreon page the other day. Appreciate Peter coming back and joining nice. up again. He's been a previous patron of the show. And uh, as I mentioned on our last broadcast, we do have a trial option now, which Patreon just implemented. So if you want to sign up, if you've ever been curious, you can. You, there's no limitations. You sign up for the seven-day trial, you get access to the entire Patreon archives, all 100-plus bonus shows, every edition of Top Rope Nation Classics. We'll be recording another one later this week over Super Brawl 1 with patron of the show, Matthew Madrell, who, who has been on the show before. And he nominated that one. So that should be a lot of fun. 1991 WCW. In fact, after this show, that will be the next one that drops on our main feed. It'll be just a teaser on our main feed. You can hear the whole thing on Patreon. And then we'll be back with another flagship next week. So if you want to hear from us later this week, patreon.com slash top rope nation. Link in the description. Give it a seven day trial. Dip into the archives. I think you'll like it. And, uh, yeah, so Carl, you're a patron. Appreciate your support. Appreciate you coming on again, sir. It's been a blast. Yeah, it's been a blast. Um, we're going to go enjoy the uh, last afternoon sun. We've got a bit of a heat wave in the UK, so it's a, it's a rarity. <laughs> Get the sun yeah. cream on so I don't burn. <laughs> hey, me and you got that in common, my yeah. friend. I'll be going outside too, and, and uh, it's 83 here right now. So oh, wow. Pretty warm here as well. Justin, we'll be talking in a couple days. Yes, sir. Super Brawl 1. All right, everybody. Appreciate your support. Hit us up on social media. Join the Facebook group. Search Top Rope Nation. Pro Wrestling Discussion. And we will be talking to you again real soon. Take care. Have a great week. Peace. Peace out. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. How I wish that there were more than 24 hours in the day 
Even if there were 40 more I wouldn't sleep a minute away Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel A fortune won and lost on every deal All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel Viva Las Vegas Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.